your show. You can take control of the airwaves toll free. 800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. The purpose of the show is to take your calls about anything. In the meantime, we will bring up stuff that uh, we find interesting. And this one has been sitting in my prep file for a while. I've sold it multiple times. We've never really gotten to it. In fact, we've, we've mentioned it before on the air, but never really delved into the details. It's what's going on in Minnesota. With okay. a smoking ban. You know how every state these days is seeing fit to run a smoking ban through, banning smoking usually from uh, from all business establishments. Well, they've done it in Minnesota as well. And uh, sometimes it's just from bars. You know, I don't even know. Maybe, maybe Minnesota is just bars. I don't know. Uh, in fact, it is. Restaurants and other night spots. But... In some cases, in very, very few cases, we are actually seeing some level of non-participation in these bans. By the way, um, the restaurants and bars uh, ban is, um, that, that, as far as I'm concerned, is the most egregious of bans. When they sell a ban on workplace smoking mm-hmm. that includes breakfast, um, restaurants and bars because, well, people work at restaurants and bars, at least they can cloak it in. We're trying to protect the employees who simply cannot protect themselves. These people who must go out and work for a living, you know, those those wage earners who are in the, the lowest strata, the bartenders and servers. Oh, well, they're still trying that. But, but you know, the, the, they still use the employee excuse. I understand for restaurants and bars. But right. what about the rest of the businesses? What about really what this is, is this is I'm annoyed by smoke and I'm passing sure. a law so that you can't smoke in a restaurant I go in. You're now, absolutely right. You know, this isn't your restaurant, though. Whoever you are that doesn't want smoking in restaurants, this isn't your restaurant. Now, it's fine with me if you don't want smoking in a restaurant. That's cool. It's when you use the force of government to get what you want that it, it irks the crap out of me. These bars and restaurants do not belong to these people. So you're saying you don't mind if the tyranny affects everybody? You're saying I'm if the, saying tyr- the tyranny affects everyone, I'm then... saying that it's the most egregious when it only goes after restaurants and bars, because it's clear... I'd say that's a tough call to make. No, I, no. I, I get your point, but I think it's equally as egregious if you're affecting everyone. In fact, if not more so, because then everyone is affected. Well, but it's... I, I guess it's the most self-serving. Do you understand? Because this is really just the, the non-smoking public saying to the smoking public, screw you, we want it the way we want it, and, you know, screw a free country. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I guess because there are private businesses, for instance, that aren't open to the public that would be affected by a, a statewide ban. Right. If it was really business. for the employees, if it was really for the employees, they would have done it for every business. It's a good point. The Associated Press uh, reporting from Maplewood that all the world's a stage at some of Minnesota's bars. A new state ban on smoking in restaurants and other night spots contains an exemption. Now, I thought exception. we did this, by the way. I said it was mentioned okay, before on the okay. show. I don't recall any get, ever getting into the details. All right. I could be wrong. I don't really remember everything we talk about here. Anyway, so some bars are getting around the ban by printing up playbills, encouraging customers to come in costume and pronouncing them actors. The customers are playing right along, merrily puffing away, and sometimes speaking in funny accents and doing a little improvisation, too. The state health department is now threatening to bring the curtain down on these sham productions, but for now, it's on with the show. At The Rock, a hard rock and heavy metal bar in suburban St. Paul, the actors during theater night do little more than sit around, drink, smoke, and listen to ear-splitting music. 
They're playing themselves before October 1st, you know, before there was a smoking ban, said the owner. <laughs> Shaping words in the air with his hands like a producer envisioning the marquee, he said, We call the production before the ban. During the, smoke, the smoking ban passed last year by the legislature allows actors to light up in character during theatrical performances as long as patrons are notified in advance. About 30 bars in Minnesota have been exploiting the loophole, so it's not just one or two establishments. It's pretty wide-ranging uh, here. Lots of businesses taking part. Uh, they are exploiting the loophole by staging the faux theater productions and pronouncing cigarettes as props, according to an anti-smoking group. The executive director of the Association for Non-Smokers said, It's too bad they didn't put as much effort into protecting their employees from smoking. See, there it is right there. See, but that's, but he's, he's using the line that they use um, the rest of the time when it's clear he doesn't give a damn about employees. Yeah, it doesn't work the same. Yeah, you're right. He, he doesn't have that same level of uh, ability to look down his sanctimony. nose. Yeah, sanctimony. The law was enacted to protect Minnesotans from serious health effects. This is the Minnesota Health Commissioner that's claiming this. Uh, protect Minnesotans. Too. From the serious health effects of secondhand smoke, it's time for the curtain to fall on these theatrics. Now, I, and by the way, I'm not saying smoking's good, and I'm not saying that every smoker out there is uh, freedom's good. Yeah, freedom's good. Um, I, you know, I'm not saying every smoker out there uh, has been has respected uh, everyone else's uh, d- desire not to smell smoke, not to breathe in smoke. I, I don't even know for sure if secondhand smoke is bad or good, but you know, I'm reasonably sure it's not good for you to inhale smoke from uh, burning vegetation would make sense but when you tell a business owner that they can't do something in their business you are tromping all over their right and your own right by the way to do what you want in your business exactly right eventually it's going to come around to you if you happen to be a business owner who is a non-smoker and you don't allow, you never allowed smoking in your business, so therefore the ban doesn't affect you. Right. Well, well just but, wait until they ban something that does affect you. But those people, the, the people that, uh, you know, didn't allow smoking in their bars and restaurants before the ban, those people, their business has been diluted. Yes, at one this point, is true. At one point, those people that wanted to go to non-smoking restaurants and uh, bars pretty much had to choose from a smaller array of people because some people wanted to go to smoking ones. Well, so as a as an owner, you would possibly prior to the ban, smokers may avoid your your place of business, but you had the pick of the non-smokers. Sure, and there's there's 75 percent of the population, and as a matter of fact, once you take out uh, younger people, people below the age of 21, um, it may even be more. I don't know because it it seems to me that people pick up the habit of smoking before the age of 21 when it's still illegal. Amazingly, they made it illegal and people still smoke. So the Minnesota Health Commissioner is suggesting that he's going to be slapping these places with fines for up to $10,000, but we've yet to actually find out whether that has occurred. So I think we're in the stage of the government huffing and puffing and blowing itself up like a you know puffer fish or something yeah. like that, and uh, you know trying to threaten these bar owners uh, from the outside and say, you better get in line, you... Well, at The Rock earlier this week, a black stage curtain covered part of the entrance and a sign next to it with an arrow read stage entrance. Along the opposite wall, below a sign saying props department, was a stack of the only props necessary, black ashtrays. At the door was a printed playbill for that night's program with a list of names of the people portraying bartenders and security guards. <laughs> Playing the owner, Brian. Courtney Cog paid a dollar for a button that said, Act Now, and pinned it under her shirt, or pinned it to her shirt, rather. That made her an actor for the night entitling her to smoke. 
She turned in an understated, minimalist performance, sitting with a cigarette in hand and talking to a bass player with the band. She said, I thought it was funny that they found a loophole. I'm more of an activist actor tonight, you could say. I think it's kind of uh, this way of saying that we... this way of saying what we think about the band. While The Rock asks nothing of its actors by way of creati- uh, creativity, a few other bars have been a little more theatrical. The Barnacles Resort and Campground uh, says, uh, l- along Lake Mill Lacks, a traveling tobacco troupe dressed in medieval costume on their first theater night. A lawyer who pushed bars to exploit the loophole wore tights, feathered cap, and black boots. He said, I'm a child of the 60s. I can do a little improv. His improv amounted to speaking in medieval, uh, in medieval character to other patrons. In Hill City, Mike's up to, uptown owner has been offering theater night once a week. That's interesting. That they're divvying up their weekly schedule to say you can smoke on, you know, Saturday nights, uh, but you, every other week. Can you no imagine smoking. that bar under, owners can actually day. make this decision amongst themselves, and bartenders and waitresses can make the decision to come to work? You know... It's just ludicrous to me. <laughs> he says uh, apparently they attracted about 30 patrons on one particular evening, and he's, they, they go on to comment how it's funny how people have been talking in different accents and getting dressed up in silly costumes and that sort of thing. So people are actually having fun with this, and I think that's great. I think people should have fun when it comes to disobeying these government laws. And I'm glad that there are enough people that are willing to uh, to take part in this, considering that there is still that hovering chance out there The government could try to do something about it, but will they? More on the way. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there we give away, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just go and get them for free right there on the front page of the site. Easily downloadable. Back for an entire year. All for free. Right there at freetalklive.com. Plus, does your family think your beliefs are crazy? Do you experience a nagging sense of worry that the world's becoming less free? Do you feel withdrawn or politically alienated from liberal and conservative friends? You are not alone. Statism hurts. IHS Summer Seminars can help. Visit LibertarianSeminars.com for more information on a happier future. That's LibertarianSeminars.com. 800-259-9231. Going to the phone shortly. Just a little more discussion on the topic at hand, that is the Minnesota Bars, that have been engaging in what they're calling theater nights, where there's this new smoking ban in Minnesota, and it, you know, it's affecting the bars and the restaurants. Some of them are saying, you know, we've figured out a way around this, and that is that there's an exception for actors who are smoking during the production of some sort of play, for instance. And so they're dubbing, they're, you know, handing out little buttons to everybody that walks through the door, that uh, you know basically identify them as actors. Yes, you're an actor, and tonight mm-hmm. everyone's part of the play. <laughs> yeah, and so people are smoking cigarettes just like you know the olden days. Now the health department has vowed to begin cracking down on the theater nights with fines as uh, of much of ten thousand dollars. And just to check, Mark, because I did claim that we hadn't heard anything, so I did a quick Google search, and turns out apparently there has been an incident, and it happened yesterday. Hmm. This from 
what does not appear to be that, uh, <laughs> I don't know how uh, legitimate the source, but it's a website called hometownsource.com. The first ticket has been issued, claim them, uh, claim they, to a northern Minnesota bar owner hosting a theater night, one of many performances that have been challenging the Freedom to Breathe Act. Oh, that's, is that what they called it? That's the cute. To oh, Act. that's great. Freedom to Breathe. You know what? You've got freedom to breathe in your own house, <laughs> on your own property. You can breathe there. If you come to my property, you don't have the freedom freedom to breathe. If it's my business and uh, I decide to allow people to smoke, you have the freedom to choose to stay. Yeah. Stay home or go somewhere else. Anyway, apparently what happened was uh, the Cambridge attorney, Mark Benjamin, who first organized this kind of event about a month ago, plans to request a court trial at the earliest possible date to test the legality of the theatrical production's exception to the statewide smoking ban. City of Babbitt Police Chief Terry, whoever. I think that these uh, these bars and restaurants that are holding these uh, the, these performances, as they were, mm. um, are probably have probably made enough money from this that they uh, have paid for whatever lawyers fees that they're going to have to incur you know maybe so well this one, in this case uh, the remember the health department was threatening fines of up to $10,000 well up to apparently was the key words there because the police chief issued a $300 petty misdemeanor ticket to the tanks bar owner who was found to be in violation of the smoking ban so that's where it stands uh, oh there's a little bit more information from insanti county news dot com apparently the bar owner was contacted later that afternoon an agreement was made for the attorney to represent him free of charge so the attorney that originally came up with the idea he took a look at the laws because you know how it is look legalese it's a different language yeah no really it may look like english but it's not really english but they absolutely try to make it as Difficult as possible for the average person to be able to figure out what the heck it is that these people are saying. So an attorney who actually speaks legalese took a look at the law and said, ah, and he figured out the, the loophole, and he's been the one who's been promoting that bar owners go out and do this. Bar owners went ahead and did it, and so this guy said, hey, I'll represent you for free. So it's, it's, you know, it's obviously going to be good press uh, for him, get his name out there. And good for the bar owners because they don't have to you know, spend any, spend any out-of-pocket cash. To get some representation in this case, so it looks like the uh, the court appearance is scheduled for April fourth, and uh, you know there's more details here about uh, you know what's gonna what's gonna happen, but we will see. Time will tell. Now, of course, they could very easily go back in. The legislature could go back in and update the legislation to remove the loophole. Sure, but th- at that point, then the bar owners know what they're dealing with, and and you know I I think that they're but then they'll obey, right? Probably they will. That's the sad part. Like, all this is fun, and, you know, it's it's neat to report it because it kind of gives you the feeling that people might engage in civil disobedience were they, were they given the opportunity to. But really all they're doing here is they're just skirting around the concept of civil disobedience. Yeah. It looks on its face. It sounds civilly disobedient. It's fun. It's a spectacle. I like that. But when our oppressors decide that they're going to uh, be you know, clear enough, they're going to close up the loophole. No, no one's going to stand up. And they're not going to stand up for their own right to uh, ha- allow people to smoke in their bars. Well, not no one, but almost no one. Virtually no one, I think, would be the, the, the most accurate answer, Mark, because we have seen two stories. Two. In the, what, five-year history we've been doing this show. Five years of covering restrictive legislation like this, smoking bans. 
And the ones, the first story we heard about was the man who, I think he was a, a cigar shop owner, mm-hmm. who the smoking ban was going to shut him down, basically. I don't, I don't recall what state it was. But he was a bald-headed gentleman, I think his name was Eric. He walked into a city council meeting and lit up a cigar in the city council meeting. Yeah. Definitely civil disobedience. No doubt about it in that case. Awesome dude. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very courageous. And they didn't give him a ticket. Yeah, you're right, they didn't. Very interesting about that. But that was the first instance. And then the most recent one was in Illinois at Wounded Rig, which is a boat shop, basically a boat repair shop. They don't have public business. Mm -hmm. It's a private business. But in Illinois, the smoking ban affected all businesses. And so, therefore, there's, I guess, I guess if it affects all businesses, then it's more likely that there's going to be civil disobedience simply because more business owners are affected. Therefore, the chances that someone will be civilly disobedient are increased. Increases the pool. Uh, because the guy in that particular case, John Hemminghouse, he held a smoke-in at his business, invited members of the public, people that don't even have boats to get repaired, invited them all to come down to his business and smoke cigarettes against the law. Mass, a mass example of civil disobedience, but predicated upon the courage of one businessman. So in reality, you're looking at two people. The one guy that walked into the city council chambers and smoked uh, his cigar, and the other guy who allowed others to come and smoke at his business. He wasn't even a smoker. No. Just a guy that cares about his business freedom. Nobody else would have taken the ticket, just him. That's not true. The individual smokers would have taken the ticket, but so therefore they deserve a little bit of credit. Okay. Because they did show up and they did put themselves at some level of risk, but really it it's certainly was the mm-hmm. right. It certainly was the business owner that was taking the uh, the glut of the risk. And if we would only have more of this, if we would only have more Americans, and if you're an international listener, wherever you live, more of your people, your friends and family members and business associates, if only more of you would just refuse to obey. <laughs> they can't put you all in jail, and they can't shut down all of the businesses, or society will stop functioning. So there is a limit to what they can do. All they really have is a threat. That's really what they have. And if most people don't listen to them and they just go about their lives and act like free people, there's really not much they can do. More on the way you take control. It is Free Talk Live. Scientists have discovered a human hormone that increases people's trust in each other, oxytocin. And for the first time with Liquid Trust, you can harness this power. Buy Liquid Trust now at 800-507-3718 or liquidtrustspray.com. Use code FTL to get free shipping. Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, including the Shrine of Female listeners, dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. See what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. Are you thinking about starting a business? Well, here's a word to the wise. Incorporate at LegalZoom.com. Incorporation can help protect you against frivolous lawsuits that can wipe you out. LegalZoom.com, it's fast and easy. They do all sorts of legal documents, patents, wills, trademarks. Use code FTL to save $10 off your order. LegalZoom.com. All right, coming up, I want to talk a little bit more about the civil disobedience process and how it's already revealing cracks in the system here in New Hampshire. But let's go to your phone calls first and talk to Mike in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Hello, Mike. 
Hey there, you guys. How are you doing? Great. What's on your mind? Well, so, yeah, I didn't really prepare anything necessarily that I wanted to say, but uh, I've just been thinking. So today is my 21st birthday. Congratulations. And, yes, thank you very much. And I'm finally legally allowed to drink alcohol. Woohoo! Uh, I bet you've never yeah. done that before. That's exactly my point. I've been drinking since the age of 12. Right? <laughs> since since I got first got drunk when I was 12 years old, since then I felt for myself that I was able to handle drinking, mm. right? But yet the government has told me, no, you are not allowed to drink this beverage, right? You're not allowed to drink any beverages that contain alcohol. Right. And I think it's absolutely ridiculous. In fact... Yeah, it sure is. Every time, you know, if I wanted to have a single beer just to, you know, kick back and relax, ever since before this day, I've had to be in fear that the government is going to come and give me a ticket or arrest me. And in fact, I've, I was arrested when I was 15 years old for underage drinking. Uh-huh. Was, and what happened? I was put in, well, I was put in handcuffs and I was brought to the police station until my parents came to get me. You know, I had to go through that whole process. I got breathalyzed. Uh, now, at 15 I, years old, where were you? Were you at a party or something? Yeah, I was over at a friend's house, actually. Yeah, so uh, my parents had noticed that it was during the middle of the night. I was gone. My parents had noticed that I wasn't there, so they got worried and called the police. Oh, so no. That's why the police got involved. Oh, but, man. Yeah, so I just think it's, it's ridiculous. You know, I got I got ticketed for underage drinking. I had to go through an underage drinking class for that. So who paid and, for the ticket, just out of curiosity? I paid for the ticket myself. You paid for it? Okay. I just wondered if your parents uh, called the cops on and then uh, ended up having to pay for it themselves. How at that time in your life did you feel about the police and how did you feel after you had gone through all of that and, you know, did it affect at all in any way, shape or form how you thought about alcohol? Well, I think, you know, in a way, maybe at that time in my life I was perhaps drinking a little bit too much. But there was no reason for the government and the police to get involved in it. It was something my parents could have handled. Now, they called the police because they were worried about me and everything like that. Always a big mistake, by the way, parents. I get the impression your parents aren't aren't real pleased at the idea that you're, you're drinking. Is that so? Yes, that's true. Okay, um, and I do think that it's uh, it, it is their responsibility, and, and that's the sort of thing that they should be taking care of. And and um, you know, I, when this first time that you drank, did you uh, do it in front of them or uh, at twelve? At twelve, you yeah, mean? just sort of uh, on your own. At twelve, it was. It had been, you know, the parents had been entertaining friends at the house, and they had had, you know, champagne out and wine and things like that. And after they'd gone to bed, I decided to. You know, start drinking that stuff. I'm you know, a 12-year-old little rebel. But. I, I think that this is um, this is a, a great point, is if your parents had taken the opportunity to uh, show you how to drink and how to imbibe alcohol, I wonder if you would have had the same problems that you do currently. Right, where three years later, he was drinking too much at 15. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, and, you know, now my parents have kind of come to terms with it, and I think, yeah, if they had... Uh, you know, been cooler about it, and, you know, I don't know, if they had shown me how to drink, maybe I wouldn't have had as much of a problem with it, but anyway, just, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's frustrating. (laughs) So today you turn 21. Do you have the sort of cliched plans to go out and uh, drink at some bar or get a lot of alcohol? That seems to be the the, kind of the cliche thing to do on your 21st birthday. What are your plans? Uh, I'm, I'm going to go out to the bars, I guess. But, I mean, I think I've got, you know, alcohol under control at this point. But I just think 
my main point is the fact that the government is intervening in this when it's something that parents could take more of an active role in and show their kids what alcohol is all about and, you know, make sure that their kids aren't doing the wrong thing rather than having the children be humiliated and arrested, handcuffed, yeah. brought to the police station. I think that's a great point, and thank you for yep. the call tonight, and Mike. When you, do go, when you do go out tonight, uh, don't drive, okay? Yeah. There you go. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. Absolutely agree. And I love I loved the word he used, humiliation. That's not going to help your kids, you know, humiliating them, locking them up, putting them in handcuffs, throwing them in the back of a cop car. This isn't how well, we teach kids not to do something. That's just I think that if his parents had come, and, treat had come and got him, and, and clearly the police knew where to get um, go get him, mm-hmm. so that tells me that the uh, the parents knew where he was or had a good idea where he was. Yeah. If the parents had come and got him and drug him out, he knows that his parents love him. They've shown him on a regular basis that that's so. He doesn't see that from the police. The police don't show people that they <laughs> love them because, well, yeah. they really don't. Um, the, you know, they, they, they may be out there for the public good or whatever it is that they're, um, you know, grand reason they, they join the police force, but you, they don't love them. Yeah, they Their don't know you from Adam, usually. love them. So when the cops come and slap ki- uh, cuffs on the kid and give him a ticket, he doesn't realize he, um, that it's coming, he, he doesn't see it as coming from a place of love. And I'm not sure that it is coming from, as a place, um, coming from a place of love. I don't see how it could be. I mean, yeah, there might be some nice cops out there that'll be a little bit more caring about putting the cuffs on than some other cops, but that's coming from a place of, I got a job to do. Mm-hmm. 1-800-259-9231. Let's talk to Robert in California. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Robert. Good morning, gentlemen. Well, good morning to you, though it's not quite the morning, and it shouldn't be well, the morning where you are. Well, it will be soon for me. Okay. What's on your mind? <laughs> I'm traveling. Anyway, you know, we're talking about restrictive measures. I live out here in Mexifornia, okay. uh, a.k.a. California, uh-huh. um, and they just passed, I think they're trying to pass a thing about homeschoolers can only be taught by people who got bachelor's or master's degree in education. Yeah, wasn't that a Supreme Court decision out there? No, that was uh, a uh, Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. Circuit Court, okay. Yeah, there we go, whatever. Um, but anyway, the thing is, is that my my wife, who works as a ROP teacher teaching a cooking school, um, just met a, a, one of the substitutes who can teach any any class, anything, right? Mm-hmm. And he doesn't have a bachelor's degree at all. He just has a ROP certificate. So if you work within the system, then the requirements are actually less stringent, is what you're saying. It seems like it's so. But <laughs> there's another another thing on my on my heart that I want to really get to real fast. Yeah, sure. Is about you've all heard about the the Real ID Act, right? Oh, yeah. How they how they sandwiched it between. Well, the the we just met Mark Lerner, who was actually working within the system until he found out what it was going to be about. Um, it's actually it's a plan to forcefully enroll everyone in the United States into a global biometric di- database. Yeah, that's that's not where a they national. Can go with it. Yeah, not a national. It, that, that's what it's for. Oh, global. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Global, not national. Global. I figured things would go that way. I didn't realize that was going to be the case with this, but uh, it makes and, sense. And, and I and I know that. One of you or neither of you are religious, but you know, e- even if you don't believe in that. 
Mark's uh, sort of like Revelation and the Mark of the Beast. Uh, this is the one thing that I, I choose to believe, simply because <laughs> I cl- it's clearly going to happen. So I, I, I will rattle off about the Mark of the Beast as much as you'd like. I, I, it's, um, well, you know, I think it's very funny that, uh, that, that Paul, assuming it's the same Paul as the uh, Apostle Paul, um, you know, predicted something like this so far in the past uh, on the island of Patmos. That would be John. But anyway. Was it John? On, uh, it was John. My mistake. Yeah, but anyway, but this is the the apparatchik, you know, to put everybody into a database. It's the truth, and the only thing that's going to stop it is disobedience. Uh, that's what we're talking about here this hour. Uh, yes, sir. Thank you for the call, Robert. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. As they've said, I don't know who said it, but they have said that uh, the people get the government they deserve. So if you want to put up with this real ID crap, just like you're putting up with the airport restrictions. Well, then it's going to work for the government. But if you refuse to accept it, refuse to identify yourself to these government goons, then what happens? Let's talk about it. Coming up, it's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up anything toll-free, 800-259-9231, the Sakel CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there we give away, so enjoy them on us. Uh, by the way, if you want to help support the the show, then you can go shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Enter Amazon through that link. Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. Anything you buy, 41 categories to shop in. Huge, huge selection. I mean, stuff you would never imagine you could buy through Amazon, they sell. They have this third-party seller program there where they can have all sorts of uh, businesses that are not Amazon sell their products through Amazon. And that has tremendously increased their product catalog. Now, many of the third-party uh, products, you don't get free Super Saver shipping on. That's exclusively an Amazon thing. But boy, does you it You don't expand. get it from those companies either, the companies that, that uh, purvey it. That's what I'm saying, yeah. Right. Oh. Well, you don't get it from them, nor do you get it from Amazon, so you're not losing anything. Oh, you wouldn't buy the, pro- the product in the first place from right. Amazon. It's not like you're going to go to the, the you know, say it's, uh, I don't know, Steinmart. Um, say you were going to buy it from Steinmart.com, if there is such a thing, yeah. and uh, get sh- uh, free shipping. Well, you're not. They, they would charge you shipping, too, so Amazon's going to sh- charge you shipping, so you lose nothing by going exactly. to Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Yep, so uh, they, they've really expanded their catalog. It's huge, and there's even used items. So whatever it is you buy, Free Talk Live will get a cut, so start your shopping at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. Dot com. All right, continuing the discussion here briefly, uh, Real ID. We just got off the phone with a gentleman who was calling in, very concerned about that, suggesting that a lot of the biometric data they're talking about collecting for Real ID, perhaps your thumbprint, perhaps a, a retina scan, maybe all of your prints. I, I don't know. Maybe uh, they'll do a, a DNA swab eventually. The interesting... They would love to have this information. The right. government just loves to collect information. They would love to have bureaucrats employed in collecting information. And understand and it something. it just costs you. Well, right. It costs you in uh, you know, the idea that these bureaucrats will eventually use this information somehow against you. You can guarantee that. It, it happened in Africa. It happened in Nazi Germany. And it can happen here, too. It happened here in Japan, um, for Japanese Americans. That much is true. That's true. Uh, but luckily, they only had census data back then. Now we're talking about a, a really dangerous database with all kinds of uh, personal information. And don't think for a moment that just because the real ID might launch only requiring a fingerprint that that's where it's going to stop. Because the real ID is essentially, from what I understand, and we've been following it since it was uh, since its awful inception, 
it essentially allows the Department of Homeland Security, the head of the Department of Homeland Security, to just simply hand down diktats from on high about what is to be included in the real ID. So it could start with a finger, uh, fingerprint, and then next year he could decide, all right, let's go with the retinal scan. And so then you would be required to put a retina scan on the real ID, and that's all he has to do. There's no congressional approval. There's right. nothing that, that, like that. That part really bothers me, too. Well, the, the whole idea of a national ID card bothers me in the first place. I mean, I don't even like the idea of a state ID card, but a national ID card is even worse. It centralizes everything. And right. if you want to talk about uh, putting data at risk, now the crackers, the, the whoever it is that wants to hack into a government database to get information, will only have to hack into one of them instead of 50 different databases. That's just kind of a, a minor aside. But well, you know, um, if, if you if you think that this is going to solve the uh, illegal immigration problem, you're just mistaken. It just doesn't. It, it, it you know they 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 crack every single one of the IDs out there. Um, right. You can go to a flea market and get fake IDs. Are you telling me they're not going to be able to um, crack the national ID and within moments? What about the uh, terrorist mark? You don't think the terrorists can't get their hands on a fake real ID card? Please. The terrorists. I mean, I, that, that part is the the most ludicrous of it all. Uh, of it all. Yeah. They, they're going to pay off the right people, or they're going to have sleeper agents or whatever. You, you can't stop that. Sure, we already know for a fact that there have been several instances of covert operatives, if you will, maybe not necessarily working for terrorist organizations, but other criminal enterprises working within the system as government bureaucrats to have access to special machines and special databases and things that they would need in order to crank out identification and then sell it on the black market. And, of course, the black market people have enough money at their disposal because they're in the black market and they can make black market market profits. You know, the uh, the drug dealers, they've got billions at their, at their disposal. You think they can't afford the same equipment the government's buying to crank out fake IDs? Please. You're silly if you do think that. All right, so uh, so this real ID thing is on the way, and most of the state governments are rolling right over for the federal government. They're saying, oh, whatever you say, we'll do it. Just don't take your money away from us. But there are a handful of state governments that have said no to real ID, and hopefully will continue saying no, because you have to understand the federal government will continue to increase, uh, to ratchet up the pressure on these states to say yes to real ID. But for now, there are a few that are saying no, and New Hampshire and Montana are two of those states. So we are keeping a close eye on what's happening. In fact, we're coming down to what is essentially a a bit of a showdown date, May 11th. So in less than two months' time, there is going to be a final day where the federal government has claimed that after this date, if a state government has not requested an exemption, excuse me, an extension, if they haven't requested an extension by that date, then all of the people who live in that state will have to get secondary screenings when they try to fly on an airplane. And I'm not sure what they're going to do about the federal buildings because they had originally said you wouldn't be able to even get in. I don't know if they're I don't know what they're going to do there, but at, at the very least they have threatened that everyone in that state, Montana, New Hampshire, I think South Carolina might be another one, that they will have to go through the super special secondary screening where they take you aside and they wave the wand and they get a little close and personal with you. Maybe mm-hmm. you've been through it. Well, you'll have to do it every time. That's what they claim. But many, including the actual state, I think the governor of Montana, has actually called the federal government out on the carpet and said, you're bluffing. And they're going to take it all the way up to May 11th and find out. So we'll let you know what happens. And even if the states do roll over, you can still put a stop to this by refusing to participate. 
If you have to go in and upgrade your driver's license and that means you have to get a new real ID, don't do it. Just drive around without it. Heck, it works here in New Hampshire, apparently. We just talked about this a few days ago on the show. Yeah, I mean, as, as amazing as it, it seems, I've uh, we've we've seen well driving out without registration. That's what we saw. Not. Uh, I don't believe his license is current. They didn't ask him about it though. Hmm. I'm not sure. I don't, we don't have him here to answer the question. But well, either way, you, th- this guy is uh, one of the activists here in Keene, driving around or traveling without a car registration. It expired. His tags are expired. His registration is expired. And they let him out of the courtroom, pronounced him guilty, but he got a fine which was suspended, meaning he doesn't have to pay it. He walked right out of there and drove home. So, very interesting. And if more people were doing that, what would they do? I don't know what they would do, but uh, at some point they would just be overloaded. Um, Presuming they enforced it. I can kind of see the legitimacy of a a driver's license. Now, um, the the state uses it for all kinds of reasons that it shouldn't, requiring you to have a a, a driver's license to buy cigarettes and and show your ID and all that other crap. Um, But I can kind of see the the idea of of certifying someone to be able to drive. How about this, Mark? and, And I agree with you. You know, that that makes sense. It makes people feel secure and safe when they can see, oh, he's got a card. Well, we, you and I both know, at least down in Florida, where we come from, the driver's test, a monkey could pass blindfolded. Yeah. Um, um, it, it is re- really ludicrous. When I wasn't licensed to drive, there was all kinds of times when I was at the house with keys there, and I could have just jumped in my mom's car and driven it around if I wanted to, but I didn't because I really wasn't comfortable doing it. I, you know. First off. If this real ID thing comes to pass and people are being civilly disobedient, which I hope they will be, I know I will, but if this real ID thing comes to pass and people are just refusing to participate, well, first of all, most of us that are of age already have a government driver's license, right? Right. I've got a Florida driver's license with my picture on it. I look like I'm very young because it was from when I was 16, but either way, it certifies that, you know, I took that test over a decade ago. They don't test you again when you renew your driver's license. I think it's every six or eight years in Florida. Right. When you renew your driver's license, they just take money from you. So the renewal portion has nothing to do with driving ability and everything to do with revenue collection. You're right so about that. So it's the acquiring the driver's license that was you know, sort of the issue of, well, is this guy safe or not? In that case, if there are enough people participating in civil disobedience, and let's say that you, uh, you and Laura, you've got a, a little boy coming on mm-hmm. the way here, ho- hopefully soon. Yeah. Uh, he's a little late, but uh, let, let's say Jack turns, fi- you know, 15 or 16, and New Hampshire is in the midst of. I mean, this is obviously way far out, and some major things are going to change in the next 15 years. But let's just say he's 14 now, and he's, you know, getting to the point where he wants to uh, start driving. And this real ID thing comes to pass, and you say, you know, you say to Laura, "Look, I don't want to, I don't want Jack to go and get one of these real IDs. I mean, we can't even get it in New Hampshire. So, then what do you do? Well, I mean, let's see, let's even say that, that it, let's say well, it is real ID. And uh, if I really want him to drive a vehicle, I'll buy him a tractor because you don't need a driver's license or registration well, in um, New Hampshire to drive a tractor. Yeah, but that's and, not and it, it, the thing. Is is it's true in most states? And this is the proof that you really don't need a driver's what license. What I was going to say is, though, you could very easily go to some private driver's instruction class. They're all over the place, the driving schools, and get them to print you out a certificate. Boom. There you go. It's probably better than a government driver's license in that they test more things. More on the way. Hour 2 coming up. This is Free Talk Live. 
It's time to pick a candidate, a serious candidate for president, and start moving forward. That candidate is George Phillies. This is George Phillies, Libertarian for President. I approved of this message, paid for by Phillies 2008. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free. 800-259-9231. Your show. Take control of the airwaves. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site we give away. Unlike those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their site. Enjoy ours for free at freetalklive.com. We go right into your phone calls across the pond to the UK and Ziggy, who's on the line. Hello, Ziggy. Hi, guys. Yeah. I want to correct you on something you said last night. Okay. Um, now, you said there have been knife am- amnesties here. That was several years ago. It is now illegal to carry a knife. And yes. if you get caught doing so, you face a two-year mandatory sentence. <laughs> so, like, even an industrial cutting knife, or is it a certain length of blade, um, or what's you, the deal? If, if, you're, if you're a carpenter or a plumber um, or, you know, a workman, if you can prove that you are so... I think you are allowed to carry certain implements. Hmm. But if you're just, you know, a normal person such as myself who's worried that they're going to get beaten up, you know, hmm. that's it. So you, know, so you, you could you, even you, carry, you could even carry like a Swiss Army knife then, a little four-inch blade or something like that? You can't carry anything like that? No, there is a, there is a danger of going to prison for just that, yeah. Wow. Was it a couple of years? Yeah. You said it was several years. I, th- I thought it was only like two years ago they had the knife amnesty. But who's counting, huh? But, I mean, you know, the, I mean, the banned handguns 10 years ago, gun crime's gone up. Mm-hmm. Um, Wait a minute, Ziggy, are you telling me the criminals didn't turn in their guns? No, they didn't. It's strange, hmm. though, isn't it? I why guess that's the, what makes the them criminals, they? right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, but <laughs> yeah, it's now they're banning knives. Knife crime's gone up. All right, so what about throwing stars? Have those been out for years? I mean, those you can't get that either, I'm sure. No. Is there anything left, Ziggy? What What is it that's legal to carry in can you carry Great Britain? A stick? A big stick? Well, well you, can, you can use bad breath, I guess. It's absolutely ridiculous in this country. I mean, the, the trouble is, it's not, it's not just the government. It is the mentality of the people. Oh, sure it if is. You say, if, you say, if you say you should carry a gun, or, or that people should be able to carry a gun, people suddenly think you're a nut. I can... you know, and they go, oh, well, I saw Michael Moore's bowling for Columbine. Now, I always point out, I've seen Michael Moore's bowling for Columbine, and he had to admit that in Canada, where gun ownership is just as high as it is in the U.S., there's very little crime. That's true. I also point to Switzerland, and the fact that, you know, you can walk off, you can walk into any gunsmith in Switzerland and buy an Uzi with a grenade launcher with an international driving license. <laughs> you know, That's awesome. And carry it out. <laughs> and, and yet, you know, Switzerland has very little gun crime. I want a grenade launcher now. That sounds so cool. <laughs> uh, seriously, look it up. Um, by the way, I've got an update for you on, on something. Yeah. Um, just before Christmas, I, I remember I came on just after I came back from a gig. I went to see New Model Army. And at the time, they couldn't get work visas from, um, uh, to enter the United States. Right, I saw that story. Yeah, they are now tour in the United States currently, and they are due to play in Boston on the 17th of April, I think. Um, they are a great band, so go see them. Which band was this? I'm sorry. New Model Army. All righty, then. Thank you for the recommendations, Ziggy, and thank you for the call. Oh, and one yes. other thing. The, 
Do you remember last week I said they were thinking about introducing, um, you know, an, uh, you know, a pledge of allegiance? Yes, Great Britain, mm-hmm. right? It looks, it looks like um, they're not going to. The main reason is, at least what's saving grace with some people on the left of politics is that they do believe in civil liberties, and they think this is fascist. So there are members of, of the Labour Party, uh, Labour Party who will not support this. Well, it so is it nice when the government people that. fight amongst themselves. That's always good for freedom. Thank you for the call, dude. We appreciate it. 800-259-9231. Not because it advances freedom, but because it simply slows the advance of tyranny. When you've got two different political uh, teams arguing over the details, fighting over an issue, it's better than having them patting each other on the back and scratching each other here and there and helping each other out, which is no- the normal way things operate uh, in the political circles. So, we continue with your phone calls. You bring up anything. It's Dick in Wisconsin. You're on Free Talk Live. Hey, Dick. Hey, guys. Hey, what's on your uh, mind? I'm actually a recent signer of the Free State Project. Congratulations, thank sir. Thank you very much. Well, thank you. Actually, it was a lot to do with what Mark said that finally pushed me over the edge about uh, New Hampshire and uh, that he supports succession. That would be secession. And yeah. he, oh, I'm uh, sorry. What, so, it was actually Mark that, in, that, uh, that helped you encourage you to join the Free State Project. It, it, it was the it was the it was the last nail in the coffin for me because before I was kind of concerned I'd get there and there'd be a lot of uh, you know truthers and that kind of thing up there. There's not a lot of that. No, there are yeah, some that, people here that are uh, that believe that, but, but they don't jam it down your throat. I no. don't. I don't have to hear that crap on a you, daily basis. No, you don't see it when you're out and about. Right. And actually, I did have a question uh, to clarify Mark's uh, position on succession. Uh, now, you support New Hampshire succeeding from the United States, right? Right, seceding. Okay, do you support yourself succeeding from your shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the call, 800-259-9231. I hope he was being honest about joining the Free State Project. I, 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 I bet he was. Because I think that's great news. And the more, the merrier, which is kind of one of the things I wanted to touch on, and that is that... Uh, we were talking about recently how here in Keene, one of the activists has been driving around without a car registration, a current government car registration. And the government people pulled him over, gave him a summons, and he decided to go to court and tell the judge, I'm engaged in civil disobedience. I'm not going to pay your fines. I'm, I'm not inter- your piggy bank. Right. I'm not your piggy bank. I am interested in increasing your costs of uh, of enforcing these asinine laws. And the judge... The judge blinked. He let him go. He let him walk out of that courtroom without paying a dime. Of course, he wouldn't have paid if he had ordered him to pay. I he think did. the judge probably knew that. He found him guilty. He uh, he said this is a, there's a fine of $83 or 85 bucks, and you're, it's a suspended fine, so therefore you don't have to pay unless you get arrested again for something else in the next right. 30 well, to 90 a, days. Well, there was an original fine of $100, then he dropped it to 85.10 or something for like some that. Reason. So he actually lowered it yes, and then suspended it. Very interesting. Uh, but he got to walk out of there and keep driving around. So He drove, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure they must have assumed that he was going to drive away, and he did. Now, here's my question for you, Mark. This was your first time. You were there for this. You saw the entire thing. First time for what? For, uh, for being in the, uh, the courtroom with one of these activists, civil disobedience activists. Right. Uh, you did not stand for the judge, as none of us did. That were in there. None, none of the ten people that came to support David, the, the individual who was on trial that day, mm-hmm. none of us stood for the judge. And when that judge saw us, he saw. Do you remember the? Do you remember how he left the room? Yeah, there, there was uh, all rise, all rise again. <laughs> it was very strange. The the the, the 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 bailiff came and said, "All rise." 
the judge walked in and was looking at the audience, and there's footage of this, by the way, on YouTube on Lauren's uh, Tackle the World account. Anyway, you can see the judge look out at the audience, and then for some reason he turns around, never even makes it to his chair, goes back into his chambers, and then later comes out again. Do they have a special name for the judge's chair? Is it called a throne? I I just don't know. (laughs) I don't know either. That'd be a question for a lawyer. If you know the answer, 800-259-9231. But very strange behavior on the part of the judge. I don't think he forgot anything. Just wanted to see if we'd stand the next time? Oh, they must have forgotten to stand. Let's see. I don't know. But but the fact that we didn't stand identified who we were. He knew who we were. He knew why we were there. He knew we were there to support David, the you know, activist. And, and and the way the case um, came out, you know, came down, the way he uh, decided to essentially let him go for this, and you know, not enforce their laws on him. It it seemed clear to me that he wanted to get rid of him, yeah. and he knew that he'd get rid of us, and we all left in we mass. Left. There was eleven people, I think, um, just got up. Left the courtroom once, uh, once uh, you know this was over, yep. and and I'm sure they all just went. Phew. Here's my question for you, Mark. What if David was alone? I suspect they would have uh, strung him up. Mm-hmm. So now I, I do like the way he said that I'm, um, you know, here for civil. Um, it, it's civil disobedience, and I intend to uh, increase your costs. Yeah, I, that's all I'm hoping to do, because it's clear uh, there's no way he can't. They, they can avoid that. They're gonna. It's gonna cost them more money. Now it's the government. They don't really care that much. But like he he made it obvious, and I like that. So maybe that would have worked. But certainly his chances were increased just by a large extent. For, all it took, all it took, were ten activists to seriously change the face of what happened in that courtroom. And in fact, it probably would have worked with less because we've been there with less. The last time we were there for another right. activist, it was like six. Less of an activist means you cut off their arm. It's fewer activists. Fewer, thanks. 800-259-9231. You can take control. More on civil uh, disobedience and whatever you want to talk about. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything toll-free at 800-259-9231. The Sickle CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there we give away. So enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. By the way, those features include the bulletin board system. We've got a lot of posts, over 340,000 of them. In fact, over 2,000 people interacting, serious issues to fun stuff. You will find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com, and it's free. That's bbs.freetalklive.com. President Hillary Clinton, John McCain, the North American Union, unconstitutional gun and drug laws, a national ID card. What's your trigger point? If it happens, what will you do? The Free State Project knows that one size does not fit all. Participants choose which event will trigger their move to New Hampshire to join the fight for freedom. Check it out at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org. As we go to your phone calls, Samson in Minnesota, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Samson. Hi there, Mark and Ian. Uh, I just wanted to tell you guys that I was very influenced by your interview with Terry Goodkind about a, a couple months ago. Oh, okay. What about it? Yes, uh, specifically I wanted to talk to Mark about... Mark mentioned that he was very influenced by the character Richard from the Sword of Truth series. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Yes. Uh, now, Mark, I w- I'm curious as to how many of the books from the Sword of Truth series you have read. All of them. 
Uh, You've read every single book in the I think series. there's 11 of them, um, it, it, 12 maybe. Uh, so it's arguable as to whether there are 11 novels in the series or 12. Because of the one, one little... being considered a novelette, the, yes. The, the, dev, the Dead of Bones or whatever. Now, wait a minute. What's the difference between a novelette, a novella, and a novel? Oh, God, stop. You know, th- that's very arbitrary as to <laughs> what the distinction is between each of them. Okay. Yeah, so... Mark, if uh, you are familiar with the series, I am curious as to uh, how you feel about Richard taking off his shirt. <laughs> during the series. I was getting the rim shot ready because I knew that one was coming. <laughs> Richard does <laughs> wander around without, uh, <laughs> without his shirt quite a bit, but you know. It's a fantasy book, right? Mm. So he's he's walking around with uh, big pecs and ripped yeah. abs. Yeah. Not so much with me. Thanks for the call tonight, 800-259-9231. You've got to be getting kind of tough after doing all that work on your house, though, Mark, lifting wood and hammering things. That's got to kind of cut you a little bit, right? I, I'm using that as uh, the exercise that I'm doing right now. I yeah. haven't, haven't made it to the gym in quite some time, so no, not making me uh, exactly ripped and Pushing the limits on my 32s, I must say. <laughs> 32s being the size of your pants, right? That's correct. 1-800-259-9231. We continue with your calls uh, and talk to Dave, listening on KCAA. Hello, Dave. Hello, gentlemen. If you remember a few days ago, I called and kind of lost my temper, and you had to cut me off the air. Yeah, sorry we I had to do that, but, you know, we got to well, protect I'll our affiliates. Well, i down today, okay. and I hope the radio is the last free bastion of what we call America. Well, somewhat so free. Let me re- can I reca- recapitulate here the story that I told you? You may. Sure. My mother is mentally ill. My fiancé is mentally ill. And, of course, I had agoraphobia for over 30 years. That's the fear of open yeah. spaces? Yes, exactly. Okay. It, it, it's much more than that. It's a fear of all fears. It starts out with panic attacks. Oh, wow. And the panic attack is so horrible... Eventually, you end up living in a little corner. Oh, it took me 30 years to go outside, and what saved me was a service dog. I got a service dog, and gradually, by taking care of that dog, I was able to function as a normal person. Neat. Now, my service... Hang on, let me talk. My service dog had a urinate. We okay. lived in a mobile home. The The people in that mobile home did not, in the next door did not like that fact, so we went to court. The judge ordered my mother, 88 years old, extremely ill, my mentally ill fiancé and I, homeless, gave the mobile home to the park. We're talking about a multi-million dollar corporation. Mm-hmm. The judge refused to let me play any videotapes of schizophrenia or mental disorders after asking him 15 times. Now, I asked the judge to take a transcript of what was going on. He said, no, it's his court, and if he wants transcripts, he'll take them. <laughs> so the bottom line here is, I asked you before, if you will go to Cerebral Videos on YouTube and look at my fiance, she had 300 of the 325 known mental diseases. Are my these goodness. The type of, wait a minute, let me talk. Are these the type of judges we're electing that make mentally ill people homeless because the dog has to urinate? It's crazy. It's pretty outrageous, man. What what are you doing currently? Are you still homeless? Did you find a place to go? Well, right now, believe it or not, they're making a motion picture of my life. But this isn't the reason it could have been made. 
it, 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 it should have it should have been it should have been made for maybe just being a normal citizen, yeah. not because judges are lunatics today. So, uh, so you've got an independent uh, producer that's working on this into working this into a no, movie. No, no, it's, it's Fox. It's Fox Searchlight Pictures uh, out there on big KCAA in Los Angeles. This story is very well known. No kidding. We filed an eight hundred million dollar lawsuit against the County of San Bernardino. Yeah, and, and what the happened? State of California. But the, that's not the question. Money isn't the question. The question is, what kind of judges are we electing? And if you let me, well, many of them aren't elected. To put this judge's name on the radio, I will. But you can you can put an allegation out there. What kind of judges are we electing that make eighty-seven-year-old women schizophrenic fiancés and agoraphobic homeless because a service dog has to urinate? What happened to the dogs? What I want to know. Wait a minute. I wrote to Fox, ABC, NBC, CNN, every local station in Los Angeles. There were only two stations that covered this story. One well, was better your than own KCAA, where you're on here in L.A., yeah. or KCAA and Dennis Baxter covered this fully. Okay. And the other one was Fox TV in Los Angeles, KTTV, right? Well, as so far as I'm concerned, you don't have much to complain about with the, the media coverage. I mean, you've I got... Mean, it was a terrible decision, though. Right, but but at least you've got some coverage. It's, it's not better like, than most people get. Right, it's not like they left you in the dark completely, and it's, and you're saying you're having a movie made about your situation, so it does seem like it did break out there, and, uh, you know, what's the status of your lawsuit? Well, the status of the lawsuit, let's backtrack a little bit. First of all, when you're poor... And let me tell you, I'm not poor, gentlemen. I'm the inventor of the long-playing VH video cassette, the one that records for six, seven, eight, nine, ten hours. So you worked for, was that JVC? VHS. No, you, you worked for, VHS who did you work for at that time? Okay, say again, sir? Who, who did you work for? I'm a self-inventor. I have oh, okay. about five different inventions. So the judge okay. made one big mistake. The judge thought, here, here's the whole crux of the matter. You know, mobile homes here in Ukiah, ten years ago, cost three thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Now they cost forty and eighty thousand. Right. So between the judge and the lawyer, it was easy picking. This poor old family will take their mobile home, will give it to the mobile home for lieu of of uh, uh, legal fees, and then we'll throw these people out in the street. And he thought now, he was dealing with some. Wait a minute. Let's reverse this. How mad would you guys be if you were telling me this story? I'd be livid. Yeah, I'd be pretty pissed. But he. So what you're saying is the judge didn't realize he was messing with somebody who was independently wealthy, and you are going to show him, and I hope you'll keep us updated into your case, his status. Thank you for the call tonight, and good luck. 800-259-9231. There are people out there that have a, quite a lot of wealth that don't flash it around, and it's, those are the smart ones, by the way. And uh, it sounds to me like he's one of those uh, few that they picked on unknowingly. Should have done a little more research there, bureaucrats. More on the way. You can take control. This is Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. 
is Free Talk Live. It is your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. Bring up anything. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there, totally free. So enjoy those on us. The features, by the way, include live streams. We've got broadband and dial-up versions of the show, both free for you. So enjoy. freetalklive.com. And the Free State Project's Porcupine Freedom Festival is better known as Porkfest. It's happening June 9th through the 15th. At Porkfest, you'll be able to tour New Hampshire on special Free State Project uh, bus tours or on your own, as well as expand your network of liberty-loving activists, businesses, and organizations. Discover new freedoms, new communities, and new beginnings. Register today at Porkfest.com. That's P-O-R-C-F-E-S-T.com. Continuing with your phone calls, we go to Jeff in Nevada. DJ Blaze, listening on KBZZ. Hello. Hey, what's up, guys? Uh, I just wanted to talk about um, a congressional speech, uh, and I want everybody to pay real close attention to this because I think it's important, and I think it, a lot of people don't know exactly what's going on. Um, okay, what it is? Well, this was back on March 17th in 1993. Uh, it says volume 33, page 8. 1303, and this, it was U.S. Congressman Representative James, and help me with this last name, guys. It's spelled T-R-A-F-I-C-A-N-T. That's Traficante or Traficant? Traficant, James Traficant, Jr. Traficante. Yeah, didn't he get in, tr- in trouble a few years ago? Yeah, but because they targeted him because of, of this, is what I'm about to tell you. From He was a Ohio representative, and I just wanted to... A quote or a couple of things from this speech, guys, and I think it's really important that everyone pay attention because uh, he says, uh, Mr. Speaker, we are now in Chapter 11, and he goes on to say that currency is not money but a money substitute. He also says that the Federal Reserve note uh, makes no such promises and are not money. He says the Federal Reserve note is a debt obligation of the federal United States government and not money. And he goes on to talk about... It's uh, true. It says it on your Federal Reserve notes that yeah, it's, uh, well, that it's dead. Yeah, well, he goes talk about gold and, and silver coin, but the most important part, I think, is what I'm about to tell you. Okay. And, uh, well, well, let me tell you this first. He, he, basically, the Federal Reserve is not a government agency. It's a private corporation. I'm, you know, some people don't know that, but... It's true. Um, he says that since the federal government didn't have any assets... Now, this is... It says that they assigned the private property of their economic slaves, the U.S. citizen, as collateral. That means everybody's property was put up for collateral, is what he's saying. So all the U.S. citizens' private property is collateral against the unpayable federal debt. And he goes on to say that they also pledged uh, unincorporated federal territories, national parks. Just like Alex Jones said, he said the international bankers and United Nations are running and operating our national parks. Now, there's plaques in front of a lot of the national parks, so what he's saying is true. So, basically, so, you're, you're putting this out there. We've heard this before, and it's very interesting, that the United States government is a corporation, because that's what they do. You know, they incorporate. For instance, the city of Keene, where we live, is incorporated. You're saying the United States government has is bankrupt, and some have said it's been bankrupt since the 1930s. Well, the most important thing I think he says is, is everybody's private property has been put up for collateral, uh, is what he what Exactly what I've just read you says... Again, and I, I want to stress it, since the federal United States government didn't have any assets, they assigned the private property of their economic slaves, the U.S. citizen, 
has collateral against the unpayable federal debt. And it says they also pledge unincorporated federal territories. Very interesting. Parks. Yeah, well, so I think you know, that I, I don't needs- see how they can uh, pledge our all of our assets because they just they don't have any way of going and getting them. However, they do. Um, they are we are their economic slaves. And right. that, that's absolutely true because they they, they pledge, can pledge our labor. They pledge our future labor, um, and at at any rate they wish to tax us at and essentially. He, he further says our children will inherit this unpayable debt. Oh, yeah. tyranny. To enforce paying it. That's what he says. You nailed it. He's right, Jeff. Thanks for the call, dude. 800 259 9231. Very interesting. It's fascinating stuff. Well, I don't know if it's true that the whole bankrupt thing, but I mean, that's uh, that's testimony from a congressperson. You'd think he would have done his research, right? And I don't know how it's relevant to anything either. I mean, whether the government was or was not bankrupt, would that make it any less tyrannical? I'm not really sure how it's relevant to the you know the status of freedom in America. If you can explain it to me, I'd like to know. 1-800-259-9231. I mean, would the government be less tyrannical if it wasn't bankrupt? I see that seems un, unbelievable to me. Well, you know, governments I, uh, govern, and that means to control. I think uh, James, the, the representative James Traficante, was right there, and um, we'll see him in September the second, two thousand and nine, when he finally gets, gets out, out of federal of jail. prison. <laughs> <laughs> what did he go in for? I don't even remember what yeah, that something was. Something to do with a houseboat, um, let's see, forcing his aides to perform chores um, at his farm in Ohio <laughs> on his houseboat in Washington, D.C. He must have taken that economic slave thing pretty seriously. Yeah, well, I, I, who knows Who knows whether he was guilty? It's it's difficult to know. I yeah. mean, was who he knows? targeted? Maybe, I don't know. Yeah, maybe they targeted him because he was talking about, uh, you know, the, the slavery thing or talking about the, the, uh, the, the economic situation the country's in. It's very interesting, nonetheless. Either way, whether or not the company or the country is a corporation and whether or not it's bankrupt doesn't really matter to me. What matters is my ability to live life as a free, a free individual, right? And, and to not be molested, seriously, seriously compromised with uh, with our current uh, income tax system. There's no doubt about that. Uh, so one eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Earlier we were touching on the civil disobedience that we've seen recently here in New Hampshire, and we're going to see more of in the coming months. And we've seen how successful it has been with literally just a handful of activists. A few days ago, we saw the system beginning to burst at the seams, as I would put it. Oh, I think the, that's pushing it. In the face of ten activists, they could have put this guy in jail for not driving on, uh, for driving without registration. They could have done something awful to him, but think, they let him go. I think we saw a, a judge that just wanted to not be confronted today by uh, by, by some s- civil disobedience. You think they're going to crack down at some point, Mark? I, I I don't see what option they have. The, he essentially. But to some extent, if, if this continued, registering your vehicle would become optional. And as soon as people figure out registering your vehicle is optional, they're going to stop. Good, as it should be. That's what the intention is, I think, of all of this, is to show that the, the, the purpose of all of this is to show what the government is. Is it a gang of thugs ruling with the threat of force? I say that's what it is. But there's also the possibility that it's just a voluntary, uh, voluntary society that you've opted into by not explicitly opting out of in the world of legal land apparently that's how things work if you don't say no then that means yes Yes. and so now we're beginning to say no we're saying no in little ways one of us said no on car registration coming up here in a in about a month's time in fact exactly a month from uh from now on the 19th of april some of us will be saying no to the gambling laws and gambling for real money, it might just be pennies, but it's real money, and that's a real violation of the law, by gambling in public. 
and we'll see what they do then. And then maybe we'll take it the next step and we'll have some open containers and gambling at the same time. Maybe somebody will light up a marijuana cigarette at some point. See what I see where I'm going with this? Eventually right. we'll Nobody's we'll, getting hurt here. Right. Eventually we'll just be free and they'll be over there continuing to extract money from those poor saps who haven't noticed the fact that the rest of us are living free. So how long they can continue their little facade, I don't know. But I do know that a handful of activists has been able to accomplish some amazing things. Things I never would have never would have uh, considered I would have seen when living down in Florida, for right. If you would have tried this crap in Sarasota without anybody to go into the courtroom with you, you'd have been in big trouble. Right. If all you've got in the courtroom is your parents, then that's not going to do you any good. Right. Because your parents are going to stand up just like they want you to stand up when that judge comes in the room. But if you're in there with a hand, just a handful of activists, six, five to ten activists, and they don't stand up when that judge comes in, he knows he's dealing with some serious S. And he doesn't want to... He doesn't want it. And so he'll just give you a reason to leave. He'll give you some cr- carefully crafted sentence that will allow him to say he found you guilty, but allows you to walk out the door so that they don't have to have you in their system anymore. And so the question here becomes, how will the face of this movement, this liberty movement, change? How much more effective will we be with twice the activists? Significantly more. I'd say exponentially more. How much more effective will we be when we have ten times the activists? I think we're (laughs) going to have twice the activists by the end of the year. Yeah, more on the way. You can take control. If you're out there watching and listening, we're going to be bringing all this. Things are changing in New Hampshire. It's happening here. Liberty can happen in our lifetime. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up anything. Toll-free number for you, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. By the way, I mentioned yesterday, we've been talking kind of about civil disobedience all week long and some of the... uh, the neat successes we've been seeing here in New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, some of the wonderful activists that we've got up here that are willing to, to literally put their freedom on the line for all the rest of us. They, they really deserve uh, a, a big round of applause and really uh, show them some appreciation. We've had some cr- incredible successes, and there has been documentation of it. Not only have we talked about it on the air on Free Talk Live, because we were actually there this week, Mark, when uh, this instance went down with the judge just letting one of our friends walk out of the courtroom after being arraigned on uh, driving without a registration charges. So not only were we there to experience it in person, but we are also there with cameras in hand, video cameras. Two of us, Lauren Canario, another activist in the area, and myself, uh, were both videotaping that particular day, and we caught a couple of things happening. Uh, we caught Russell Canning, the publisher of the New Hampshire Free Press, and another Free State Project member being arrested. Uh, we also caught, uh, the, you know, we kind of documented the uh, the situation with the, the car registration trial, and uh, those videos are now online at freekeen.com. So I, I mentioned that I would uh, tell you when those were ready, and they are both online now. Uh, so you can see those at your leisure at freekeen.com. And don't worry if you misspell keen uh, without the extra E on the end. You'll still get to it. That's freekeen.com if you want to see the footage. And some of it's uh, quite interesting because the bureaucrats behave very poorly. They are just so rude. And it's interesting because there's one lady who's the clerk of court here in Keene. Her name's Patty. And every interaction I've had with her until the time I walked in with a video camera was quite cordial. She's a very, very nice lady every other time I'd been in her office. But when I was holding a video camera, 
she acted like I was sticking a knife in her back or something like that. She uh, she was very upset and claimed that I had to ask her permission to record her in New Hampshire. Uh, well, that's not exactly true, Patty. Um, you see, I pay the taxes that keep this building open. And I do pay the, those taxes. And you're welcome to get the hell out of the range of my camera. Which is what she did, like by it. the way. That's what she did. She uh, she brought Russell and Kat over into another room and talked with them there because she said, she said she didn't want to be on tape. Now, I really need to work on my technique when it comes to being confronted by bureaucrats when I've got the camera because they don't like it and they try their best to uh, you know persuade me to not record them. There was one guy in particular. Well, you've got to just it, the simple thing is you use what these people understand, which is authority, and you say, "I'm from the press." Period. End of story. That's all. That would work. Uh, I was also thinking of some questions I might ask if they say something like, "Well, you've got a, you can't record me here or whatever." I might say, "Well, do you have something to hide?" I'm the press. Do you that's, have something to hide? How about that one? That's confrontational. Um, I, I, you know, they're. When you say I'm from the press, they don't they aren't going to know what to say to that. They don't know this uh, mm. law that you're referring to, letter and verse. That's a good point. And um if you say I'm from the press and you are, that's going to take care of it for them and then they're going to realize, well, then I've got some choices. I can do what everybody else does, stick up my hand and walk away mm-hmm. or or whatever. Yeah, that's a good one. I I need to remember those things when I'm going in there. The one disappointment, the real disappointment for me was uh, the last bureaucrat that I interacted with was one of the security guys at the courthouse. And he did not want me recording either. And I said, well, you let me in here with a camera. What did you expect me to do? He said, well, it was only for you to record in the courtroom with the permission of the blah, 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 blah. And he said, well, you know, I don't want to be recorded. Uh, Will you please turn that off? Now, the way he asked it didn't say I had to turn it off. He asked me to turn it off. And the reason I did was because he had my keys. I had to give up my keys to get into the the courthouse. And why'd you have to give up your keys? I didn't have to give up mine. Well, they have a they had a knife on them. Well, there you go. So, Take the little knife off your keys. I know. More mm-hmm. preparation next time will make things better. But these are the things we learn, right? See, we're we're learning as we're going through doing this activism stuff. And the more you interact with these people, the the better you hone your craft. The better you will uh, hone your questions for them. And uh, we're just going to get better. We're going to get better at this, and there are going to be more of us. There were two cameras on the scene the other day, but if there were five, that would have been even better. The more pe- the more activists with cameras, the better off we are going to be, as far as I'm concerned. These bureaucrats are frightened to death. They do not want to be recorded. They will run away. Yep. They, they run into their little hidey holes, their little secret doors and right. stuff. The, the 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 gun polishers out there that think they're gonna that we're going to uh, see liberty in our lifetimes by uh, shooting the bureaucrats. I totally understand why it is that they're upset and i and i know that uh you know some guys reaction the first thing that they want to react to is is violence mm-hmm. when uh when they're uh, being forced by you know with government force to do things it's essentially violence enacted on them they want to react with violence i get that and i can see why they want to go that way but the the bureaucrats understand how to handle guns oh yeah and they're very very that's what good they're trained in you're going to die in a hail of bullets and the press will report that you were a madman who is stalking around yep. shooting innocent people mm, that's those all. poor victims and um w- whereas with cameras we win yeah you can shoot people with cameras and not hurt them <laughs> you only hurt their pride or something like that they look like they're hurt oh you're recording me well you are you are a public servant aren't you isn't that what they claim? Are they a public servant operating in a public place? Or is this a private business? Am I standing in a private business or a place that is public property? 
Because if it's a private business, well, I must have made a mistake. I'll respect your private property and get out of here. Oh, right. wait, I paid the rent for this. Mm. Right, and I think that's another thing you could say is, uh, I'm from the press, and this is public property. Yeah. That's a great line, Mark. I'm from, I'm from the press. This is public property. Got to remember that stuff. Anyway, uh, see the videos at freekeen.com, 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Quick story, Mark, about the school bus. What happened? Well, um, An out-of-control school bus. Yeah, from sfgate.com. And a hero. A 15-year-old girl who stopped her out-of-control school bus was hit with a Saturday detention because she was supposed to be in class when the accident happened. But wait a minute. How was she on the school bus and supposed to be in class at the same time? Tell you that. Marina High School student Amanda Rouse was on the bus with uh, 40 elementary school students Wednesday morning when the driver fell out of her seat after a turn and hit her head. Oh, my goodness. Rouse jumped up and applied the brakes, bringing the bus to a halt after striking two parked cars. But no one was injured. Rouse said she was punished because she wasn't supposed to be on the bus in the first place. Hmm. Rouse said she fell ill on the way to school, but instead of calling in sick, she asked the bus driver for a lift back to the bus yard before the accident happened. She must attend Saturday school as a punishment for failing to call in sick that day. She I'm was confused. Wait a minute. Okay. She was sick. She didn't call in. Why did she get on an elementary school bus? She's a 15-year-old girl. The bus is used to pick up, uh, you know, they, they do different uh, different shifts. They All students don't go to school at the same time. There's right. first the high school shift, the middle school shift, and the elementary So she was on the she bus. She was on her way back to uh, the bus yard because she was not feeling well. So she got on the bus that morning to go to high school. Correct. Came down, felt nasty, and she stayed on the bus. Mm-hmm. And the bus driver was going to take her back to the bus yard. The bus, bus yard. She was. Um, she she has to attend Saturday school for actually failing to call in sick. So if she had had used her cell phone, assuming she had one, to call in sick that day, or called she, when she got home, everything would have been. Well, she never got the chance to call in when she got home. Ah, uh, because she was in the hospital. Well, she was. Um, it, there was a wreck. No, no one was injured. Um, there was a wreck, and she didn't do it in time. You have to. You have to do it by, by the a time. time. I see. So there you go. So that was it. She's in trouble with the school because she made the wrong decision, said Rouse's grandmother, Sally Carell. But I can't help but believe that she was there where God wanted her to be. The spokeswoman just sounds entirely insane to me. Um, a spokesperson for the Monterey Peninsula Unified School District. Wait, I thought that was her grandmother. Yes. Oh, okay. But she says she got in trouble. She got in trouble with the school because she made the wrong decision. What wrong decision? Oh, that was the spokesperson or the grandmother. Oh, that was the grandmother. Oh, okay, gotcha. What was her wrong decision? I suppose not, not, calling, call. the, not calling the school. There but, are rules that must be followed. But you have to assume that she has a cell phone, and I don't think we, we can safely assume that. I'm certain that the school can't safely assume that. She was ill. She did not make the wrong decision. Now, if she had a cell phone, she should have called, but there, there, there should be no uh, requirement that she actually has a cell phone. As a matter of fact, there shouldn't be a requirement that there's a phone in the house at all. That's a good point. You're absolutely right. A spokesperson for the Monterey Peninsula Unified School District could not immediately be reached on Saturday. Well, they don't like to say things anyway. No, they're not going to say anything of any value anyway. Stinking bureaucrats. one 800 Absolutely. You know, I'm surprised, Mark, that they didn't actually charge her with, you know, operating a motor vehicle without a permit or something like that. Oh, she'll probably get sued by the car's owners in order to and have to pay for it. Because you can guarantee that she doesn't have a CDL. Mm, that's true. <laughs> she, she might have her learner's permit, but she's not licensed to operate a school bus. That's for sure. So I guess if you want to look on the bright side of this case is they could have charged her with something, and they didn't. 
Saturday school still it, it, it's it's showing it's it's telling her she did something wrong. Yeah, and her grandmother uh, agrees with the state, sort of ish. I think your grandmother's delirious. Maybe so, but but it really is. It, it's an infection. Uh, this delirium mark infects so many people to where if you break the law or you don't follow all the rules 100%, then for some reason you're bad. Well, no, the s- rules are stupid, and government schools are terrible. And really, if you want your kids to get a good education, you should get them out. 800-259-9231. Lou Rockwell says to cancel the presidential election. What? We'll explain coming up in Hour 3. It's Free Talk Live. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features there we give away, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Lou Rockwell says, cancel the presidential election. This is from his website, lourockwell.com, and it's actually Lou himself writing this one. Nothing could be better, he says, for the country than canceling the 2008 election. Leave the office of the presidency empty. I can see only one possible justification for even having a president of the United States to preside over the dismantling of the federal government. Now, if you think this is a radical idea, think again. This is, in part, what people have long voted for, even if they never actually get it. I can hardly remember a time when a president has been elected who didn't promise to get the government off our backs. In one way, this agenda makes no sense, of course. You don't hire a CEO to drive a company into bankruptcy, and you don't appoint a pastor to shrink a congregation. So why should we expect a president to dismantle the thing that gives him power and fame and his allies huge wealth? Well, realistically, you can't. But it's the best hope we have within the framework of conventional politics. The irony is, most presidents get elected on the prospect that they will curb power. It's true of George Bush, who promised domestic cuts and a humble foreign policy. Clinton? was also elected on the promise of middle-class tax cuts. We can go back and back and see that it was true for the first Bush, for Reagan, for Carter, for Nixon, and so on. Mm -hmm. For that matter, FDR himself denounced government spending during his first campaign. I accuse the president or the present administration of being the greatest spending administration in peace times in all our history, he said. And added, on my part, I ask you very simply to assign me to the task of reducing the annual operating expenses of your national government. Now, this is FDR, the man who brought socialism to America. The big, one of the biggest expansions in the uh, size and scope of the federal government in American history. I wonder what Johnson said. To get elected? Yeah, right. I mean, he, he, he was the other one. The worst. Johnson? Really? Yeah. What about Lincoln? He's pretty bad, too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It was even true with George Washington, who had made innumerable speeches on the evil of tyranny, only to take power and use it to the benefit of the powerful. Even Jefferson succumbed with his mistaken Louisiana purchase, though he later entertained the possibility of a uh, salutary breakup of the United States. And so it goes on. And it will happen again, despite all promises. Folks, there's something wrong with this model of governance. Not just current policy, but the whole structure. We might even argue that the error goes back to the Constitution, a document that created new government powers unprecedented in colonial history and put the government in charge of restraining itself. It set up competitive divisions within government under the presumption that they would keep each other in check. We all heard about that in government education, you know, government high school. 
They taught you that the government branches were there to check and balance one another. Instead, they cooperated toward mutual expansion, especially after the federal power seizure called the Civil War. Part of the problem dates to a core error within liberal theory, the belief that it was possible to create a government that was an extension of society, thanks to the relentless input of the people via democratic institutions. What this model did instead is enlist the public as part of their own destruction, and it created confusion about who precisely is to blame when things don't work out. Under a democracy, aren't we the government? Aren't we doing this to ourselves? Let's draw on another aspect of old-time liberal theory as a means of finding a way out of this mess. There are two additional contributions that liberalism made. It taught that society is capable of self-management and that government is not the reason for order in society. Now, he's talking about classical liberalism, by the way, not the same liberalism you might be, worth, um, you might be used to hearing about today on like the Rush Limbaugh show. Classical liberals are the libertarians of today or the you know, free marketeers or voluntarists of today. It sought the, or taught the societies capable of self-management. Summing up the old liberal position, Thomas Paine said, A great part of that order which reigns among mankind is not the effect of government. It had its origin in the principles of society and the natural constitution of man. It existed prior to government and would exist if the formality of government was abolished. The mutual dependence and reciprocal interest which man has in man and all the parts of a civilized community upon each other create that great chain of connection which holds it together. The landholder, the farmer, the manufacturer, the merchant, the tradesman, and every occupation prospers by the aid which each receives from the other and from the whole. Common interest regulates their concerns, informs their laws, and the laws which common usage ordains have a greater influence than the laws of government. In fine, society performs for itself almost everything that is ascribed to government. And it's to- so true. I mean, Thomas Paine was absolutely right. We've, we see example after example of how when the government isn't involved in something that it normally we believe it to be in- should be involved in, like, for instance, trash collection, right. that... The marketplace does a fine job deciding of which company can provide you with electricity or cable television, yes, or water. So there are so many different areas where that's absolutely the case. And and he points out that with the division of labor that comes from the freedom to uh, to, to do what you want, to the free marketplace leading to the division of labor, which in case you don't know is where you don't have to do everything. You don't have to be a jack of all trades. You don't have to grow your own food. You don't have to shoe your own horses. You don't have to, you know, fix your own house. You don't have to do everything because we have money. We can focus in on one particular trade, do that really, really well, get paid to do it, and then pay other people to do other things for us. So because we need other people to do other things for us, well, there's a natural order that arises from all of that. There's a natural voluntary order that would exist and does exist. That's why there's not chaos in the streets. That's why there aren't marauding bands of brigands everywhere, right. like, except excepting the blue light gang, of course. You know, <laughs> it makes it, it's obvi- It seems obvious to me. Like we, for instance, many municipalities, most municipalities offer uh, water. You know, they're they're the ones who decide, who bring you water. Are you telling me food's not as important as water? Well, somehow, the, the, completely, the free market on its own manages to supply us with food. Now, I'll admit that certainly there's uh, things like milk. Milk is highly regulated on the price and, mm. and things like that. But the vast majority of the things that you see in the grocery store, the government had very little to do with bringing you um, them. Other it's than true. like get, taxing the, uh, the semis that, uh, you know, the, the diesel that the semis burn to bring it there. Yep. 
So he's absolutely right in pointing out that society operates on its own, and government is only a parasite. Government only just sucks off of the wealth that the productive members of society create for themselves. Anyway, back to Lou Rockwell. He says, if we would be true to this line of thought, we should propose the unthinkable. Cancel the 2008 election. This has never before been so urgent. Neither party will cut government in a way that's desperately needed. We know that. I know they say every single, every four years, every national election, they say, say it's going to be different this time. Just elect me. Just elect me and I'll do it. I am your savior, America. Change is coming. But it never ends up the way they claim. In fact, government always gets bigger. In fact, the, the Republicans seem to increase government at a lot faster clip than the Democrats, for whatever reason. That's just the way things have been. Anyway, he says that neither party will cut government. Instead, they offer a left or right-tinged Americanized socialism or fascism. One of them promises domestic expansion and foreign reduction. The other promises foreign expansion and domestic reduction. The inevitable compromise? Expand both, domestically and internationally. In addition, whatever the new president does will make our growing economic problems worse. The economic interventions they propose will add to our troubles, whether that means expanding inflation, taxes, controls, or debt. Another war is unthinkable, but probably inevitable. You can already detect it in the aggressive trajectory towards Iran. More business regulation can only dampen the fires of free enterprise, which are our saving grace today. The best solution would be a government that would destroy itself. The second best solution would be a government that does nothing at all. Then at least matters won't get worse. This is what canceling the election would do. It would introduce enough confusion and chaos to keep government from acting either domestically or internationally, which would be a wonderful thing. There's also the matter of public will. We pretend as if the person who's elected enjoys the support of the majority, which, that's nonsense. Most people who can vote do not vote. And who can blame them? Right, they're boycotting. Those who do vote, either they're saying, look, whatever you're doing is just not very important in my life, or I don't feel like I can make a difference, or whatever it is they're saying, they're staying out of the, uh, the political process. Well, they, admit they feel like they have better things to do than vote for Tweedledee or Tweedledum, or Gangster A or Gangster B, however you want to look at it. Those who do vote are most likely voting against the other guy and not for a positive program. That much is true. And the person who's elected will enjoy a mandate of maybe 5 to 10% of the population that actively supports their agenda. I say make the new president their president, but not our president. 800-259-9231. A few more thoughts for Lou Rockwell and yours as well. If you dial in, you can bring up whatever's on your mind. This is your show. It's Free Talk Live. The toll-free SACL CAI line is 800 259 9231. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want via the toll free number 800 259 9231. The SACL CAI toll free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. Features for free, so enjoy those on us. And the features, by the way, include the wiki with over 1,500 pages created by listeners just like you. Go to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive. Create. It's like the listener editable version of our website, wiki.freetalklive.com. How would you like to lose up to 25 pounds in just nine days without permanently changing your diet? Check out this amazing doctor-recommended cleanse. Go to ftldiscount.com, read some real testimonials, and find out how to order. That's ftldiscount.com. 1-800-259-9231. A few more thoughts from Lou Rockwell. He says it's time to just cancel the presidential election. I mean, there's no point. I mean, you elect Hillary Clinton, you elect Barack Obama, John McCain, the government's going to get bigger. 
it's going to get more intrusive. So why not just cancel the election? At least that'll throw some confusion into the mix, and you know maybe they won't go about making new laws in the meantime. And obviously, that's not going to happen. The election's not going to be canceled. Though some conspiracy theorists suggest that that might be a possibility. But that won't be a good thing. Yeah, I, I think it's unlikely that that's actually going to happen. But what he's pointing out here is that there's really... No mandate from the American people for these presidential candidates. He points out that the the person who ends up getting elected, whoever it is, really only has support from maybe 5 to 10% of the population. And Because and, most people don't vote, and then of those people that do vote, most of those people are voting against someone else. So they're not endorsing the other candidate, but of course the candidate thinks they are. Right. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, it, let's say the... Uh, the the, the the particular battle comes down to Clinton and McCain. Okay. In this particular instance, I would be you know if if I just had those two choices, and I'm I'm not sure what I'm going to do at this point. Um, it's it's long ways off till November, but if I had to choose between those two, I'd probably pick Clinton because I hate McCain so much. Mm-hmm. I'm I hate Clinton, but I hate her one percent less than McCain. You know, yep. I, I would absolutely vote for Ron Paul. I would do so with a relatively clean conscience and with joy in my heart. But I don't think he's going to be running, and therefore writing him in sounds seems like a waste. Pretty much. Uh, anyway, continue here. He says, it's true that what I'm proposing constitutes a purely negative agenda, so let's look to a positive goal. This country is too large to be governed from the center. It's long past time that it be broken into ever smaller pieces, even to the size of the world's smallest nations. In that way, the U.S. government will cease to be a menace to its citizens and to the world. Prosperity will be assured in the same way it always has, through peace and free trade with all. But what about the Constitution? Well, let's let Jefferson speak. He said... We have not yet so far perfected our constitutions as to venture to make them unchangeable, but can they be made unchangeable? I think not. The Creator has made the earth for the living, not the dead. Rights and powers can only belong to persons, not to things. It's highly significant that Jefferson, when he wrote his own epitaph, wanted to be remembered for the Declaration of Independence, for the Virginia Virginia Statute on Religious Freedom, and for founding the University of Virginia. The fact that he was a two-term president is not listed. Hmm. 1-800-259-9231. So LewRockwell.com calling for secession. Calling for the breakup of the union. No well, more federal least, government. At least no, uh, no, no more presidential, uh, you know, to, to, to shut down the presidential elections. That, well, no, uh, he says it right here. He says that a positive goal would be to break the country into ever smaller pieces, even to the size of the world's smallest nations. And the world's smallest nations are pretty darn small. The nation states, Andorra, uh, Vatican what, City, Liechtenstein. I don't know the, I don't know what uh, kind of governing Vatican City does over itself. But All I know is in Carmen, San Diego, Vatican City was a different country. I think that it is likely, um, (laughs) you know, I don't know. Some people call it yes and some say no. I learned more uh, about geography from Carmen, San Diego than I did in government geography class. Anyway, 800. You know, when kids want to learn, that's how they learn. Right. 800-259-9231. Your thoughts on whatever you want. We go to your phone calls. It's Bill in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Bill. Hello, sir. How are you doing, gentlemen? What's on your mind? It's, it's good to hear your voice. Actually, in regard to Je- uh, President uh, Jefferson, he, one of his most favorite sayings was, uh, uh, fighting tyrants is serving God. And uh, it was really, uh, uh, it really impressed me a great deal. It's a good one. What's also, on your mind tonight, Bill? Uh, and also, another thing that I can mention, too, is that um, in regard to our country, if people can chew over ideas you know, around the country, they can talk about new ideas, of course, we're going to be changing. 
and the small state um, government sounds like a really good idea. That might be a tremendous, uh, tremendous thing for all of us. Also, I was reading recently where when you digitalize, when you take uh, records, you know, and you put them in digital uh, recordings, mm-hmm. uh-huh. it's cut, it's cut corruption tremendously throughout the country. Uh, officials can't, you know, get in the back room and do their favors of each other. You know, the internet uh, has certainly gone a long way to uh, really shining a whole lot more light on the cockroaches, but it doesn't seem to have really slowed them down that much as of yet. What we really need is a concerted effort amongst activists to actually attain liberty in our lifetime. And that, of course, is what's happening in the Free State Project. Any other comments? Oh, yes. Actually, uh, this is in regard to uh, uh, Mr. Mueller. He was a motorcyclist who led thousands of motorcyclists into Washington, D.C. He gave the book uh, concerning American POWs about Washington, Vietnam, that were trying to signal you know, for help from their, their uh, captive, uh, their, their uh, Vietnamese camps. And uh, he's in the process of, uh, of doing more work with um trying to bring up the truth about the missing soldiers from Vietnam, etc. So I'd like to congratulate Mr. Mueller, uh, who has done a tremendous job in Washington, D.C. Very good. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. So, uh, yeah, secession. I like it. It's a great I, idea. I'm for it, too. At this point... You know, I gotta say, I love America. I love uh, all the st- the trappings that go with it. But I feel like the politicians have gotten a hold of uh, this this uh, this land that I love and just twisted it into something. Not the land itself, mm-hmm. the government over the land and the people in it. Twisted it in, into something that. Uh, it, it it just doesn't represent what it what it is that I feel like America represents. You know, I don't know if it was a good idea to have this union back in the day. I wasn't around back then. Not familiar with the arguments. But it's not a good idea now. I don't think it was a good idea back then just because centralization as a general principle is detrimental to freedom. Uh, it's detrimental to efficiency, and it's just not necessary. And the so it didn't work for the Soviet Union. It's not working for the United States. It's time to break it up. The Soviet states, the former Soviet states, are far more free now than they ever were in the past. And there, many of them are having great economic success with much lower, I might add, much lower personal tax rates than here in America. I think the top, the top rate in Estonia is like 15% on their uh, income tax. Right. Estonia is a, um, is, is a real, you know, bastion of economic freedom. Now, I, I guess, I, from what I understand, they're, uh, their uh, social freedoms aren't aren't as good as they could be, but uh, certainly from an ours econo- aren't really that great either. No, no, they're not. <laughs> from an economic standpoint, it is a very free place, and people just don't realize it. They just they keep on uh, hearing that uh, land of the free, home of the brave crap, and believing all of it. Now, I'm not saying the United States is is as despotic as uh, North Korea or anything oh, like that. It's not. not even close. Thank North God. Korea, North Korea pretty consistently ranks as the w- most least or the the least free country on the face of the planet. Mm-hmm. By all uh, indicators, by all measurements, North Korea is the least free. So yes, there is a wide gulf of difference between here and North Korea. At least, Mark, here you do have the freedom to speak out against the right. government, and you do have the freedom to leave, as we are reminded so many to, times. The freedom to complain. Yeah. 1-800-259-9231, which is the, one of the purposes of this show, not necessarily to air complaints, but to air you speaking about what you find important in your life. It doesn't have to be an issue. It could be a personal uh, problem. In fact, I think Julia is going to come on the show this week, and we're going to talk about honest relationships. Looking forward to that, because she's really hyped up to talk about it. More on the way you take control. This is Free Talk Live. Our archives, website, and podcast will continue to stay free, but if you think other people deserve to hear this show, Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month at amp.freetalklive.com. 
help free some minds. Visit amp.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live, you take control, bring up anything. The toll-free number for you is 1-800-259-9231. Sickle CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features for free. So enjoy those on us. And the features, by the way, include updates. So get signed up, and we'll keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about the program. Go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list for free, of course. That's updates.freetalklive.com. And do you have a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections? SACL CAI does collections, early out billing, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained at resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you want to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI to the phones and the fun. It's Sean in Kalispell listening on KGEZ. Hello, Sean. Hey, good evening, fellas. What's on your mind? Well, I was calling to uh, talk about the uh, Real ID Act. Yes, sir. uh, Back in the news out here in uh, Montana. Um, Basically, I I see here where Montana... um, New Hampshire, South Carolina, and Maine are the only states that have not asked for an extension. Is that correct? It sounds about right. I don't have a list in front of me, but I know for certain New Hampshire and Montana, the other states sound right, too, though. Yeah, and um, and from what I see, uh, Montana, we're the only ones that aren't even considering the extension right now. I guess New Hampshire is kind of maybe looking at that. I don't know for sure, but then there's a list of, I don't know, a dozen, 15 states that have filed an extension, but... um. Our governor um, is quoted um, as basically telling Homeland Security, and I'm going to quote this, if it does come to a head, we found it is best just to tell them to go to hell. Awesome. And run your state the way you want to run your state. But um, Yeah, I have to say your governor is uh, more desirable than the governor we have here in New Hampshire. The one here in New Hampshire is clearly playing politics on the issue, uh, so he could break at any time. But so far, things are going well. Yeah, well, for our governor, uh, Brian Schweitzer, out here in Montana, um, I don't know know, where his allegiance lies on this stance. I don't know if it's a constitutional issue, a right to privacy. He hasn't really made that clear. Yeah. I have a bad feeling it's over who's picking up the tab for this. Um, That's yeah, what it know, is in I, most I, of the states. I certainly don't trust uh, elected officials or bureaucrats very much. I love his uh, verbiage and telling them to go to hell. Yeah, I should tell that um, more often. You know, I, I don't trust the rest of the states, but just from, from that little line, it makes me trust uh, Montana the most in this particular arena. Yeah. Yeah, and you guys can look that up on uh, on the dailyinterlake.com. It's on a Oh no, a, we've seen it. That's oh, absolutely the quote. Sure. And the oh, cool. uh, your secretary of state has also said that if uh, the gun thing goes uh, does not uh, come out successfully in the Supreme Court that they're looking at that case this week, uh the uh, the gun ban in DC which could possibly if if it rules the, if the Supreme Court rules the wrong way, the anti-freedom way, then that'll make it so that the gun uh, that gun possession in America is now a collective right as opposed to an individual right. Which of course there's no such thing as collective rights. Of course, one could which also argue there's no could, such thing as individual rights. You could only rights. own a gun if you were worked for the government, essentially. Yeah. Right, right. And so uh, your state secretary of state has said that if the Supreme Court rules in favor of the government in the gun case, that 
it'll essentially nullify their agreement with the federal government and basically result in the termination of Montana's participation in the the, uh, the union, making them no longer yep. uh, part of the 50 states, which I think yep. is fantastic if he's if he's really going to hold them to that. And it's not just empty rhetoric, which, of course, he is a politician. So, yeah. you know, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, that's correct. We have all um, emailed him out there, all the guys out here in the Montana Liberty Movement, Ron Paul Movement. Um, it's coming down where we have to just support people or, you know, politicians on issues and not, um, you know, who cares if they're a Republican or a Democrat or a yeah. Green Party or whatever. I mean, you know, I've had so many people come up to me and say, oh, you're going to help me campaign because I'm a precinct committee man out here. You're going to help me. And they, you know, and they run down their list of where they stand. And I'm like, I'm sorry. And he's like, what? I'm a staunch conservative and i'm like well being a conservative isn't good enough you have to be a constitutionalist you have to stand up for our individual rights um and the thing with schweitzer you know he goes and he tells the federal government to go to hell over real id but then he stands up for a lot of this al gore agenda or un agenda 21 uh, property rights stuff where montanans are being asked uh, if you own streamside property where you're not allowed to do anything within the Maybe a hundred feet, two hundred feet, three hundred feet of the of the stream bank. Right. So then you don't really own that uh, stream <laughs> yeah, side so property. Who, so who owns that? Apparently the UN does. Hey, Sean, thanks for the call tonight, and I agree with you that uh, on the politician thing, that it does. You know, it could be somewhat useful to support the politicians when they're right, just to sort of reinforce them when they're making the right choices. Hey, good job, way to go, buddy. You know, like a small little child, you want to encourage the good but, behavior. And, and when you do say something uh, constructive to a politician, when the first thing you say to them is, good job on this real ID thing, and, and you actually have a relationship with them and um, that kind of thing, you can then say on the next one, whoa, what are you doing? What are you thinking? And it's not as – they don't just dismiss it out of hand at that point. And that is that can be useful, and we're seeing that as useful here in New Hampshire with the political guys doing their political thing in Concord. But I still don't think it's anything that's going to be particularly uh, the savior of liberty at any old point. Uh, because I've just seen more happening as a result of some of the smallest acts of civil disobedience. We've seen some amazing things happen here in New Hampshire that have been done just because people are trying to live life free and refuse to obey the government. I think that's far more powerful than begging some politician. In fact... I just feel sad when I see liberty activists begging for uh, the politicians to, you know, to vote in, the, in their favor on something. It's just I understand they're having success. I understand they're doing better than anybody else in the entire country, and I will give them credit where credit is due. And I've played a role. I've called them. You know, I've done a little begging myself. I didn't say please. I just said I would encourage you to vote in, in this way. So it didn't seem like as much of begging, but still it was. To you. you know, still, <laughs> yeah, still it was. And it just feels yucky. I feel gross calling these politicians. And I understand they're not as political as the rest of the world here in New Hampshire. Uh, the, I get that it? impression in Montana, too. 200 bucks. Isn't that what they get paid here in New Hampshire, the representatives? I think that's the number. Yeah, 200 bucks a year is what they get paid. So it's not like they're professional politicians, but they still, a lot of them still have that snooty uh, demeanor sure. where they are our better. Better. They I get mean, to tell you. us what to do. Right. Hey, what else me, are they? You'll call me Representative So and So. I get a special license plate. They do. They as do. As a matter of fact, I know they do. Let's go with Jeremy and Kalispell listening on KGEZ. Hello, Jeremy. Jeremy. Hey guys, is, is Penn handling against the law in your town? I don't know whether it is or not. 
I, I don't really, it doesn't matter to me if it's against the law. If you're panhandling on my property, get the hell out. Why? Uh, because it's my property and I don't want panhandlers on my property. Well, what's my name with panhandlers? Uh, it's annoying as hell. Haven't you ever been, pan- are you a panhandler, Jeremy? Well, sometimes. Why? Because I can. Well, because people pay you? Because it works, I understand. No, I, I'm just testing people out to see if I can do it or not. Great. Well, you know, make I'm, a nuisance of yourself. You know, when it comes to a person um, running a business, I can totally understand why they don't want people on their land panhandling. Absolutely. I think that. Um, what, what, would you shoot somebody for panhandling? No, I would tell them to get off my property and. And what pre- if, and and what if they didn't? Then what? If he persisted on being on my property, I might call my protection agency and have them come forcibly remove you from my property. Then what if I called my protection skateboarders to have your head back? <laughs> Odds are good that? your protection company would <laughs> would not exist, you my got friend. You there, my, my protection outlast your protection was yeah. all, all, all the young skateboarders. How you like that? Good luck with that, Jeremy. Thanks for the call. 800-259-9231. I'm not going to argue with a drunk over protection services. Oh, that's awesome. So there you go. Yes. Uh, panhandlers, bad news. You know, I don't consider... I, I, I think snitches well, the pro- The problem bad. here is communal property. It all comes yeah. back down to communal property every single time in this issue. Uh, I'm no fan of uh, panhandling, panhandlers either. They run business away from uh, you know merchants that are trying to make a living. Yep. Not a good thing. But it's public property. So therefore, they sort of have the same rights as you do. And then we all have to pass laws and decide who can do what on public property. What and a then mess. people think that it's well, it's public property. I have the right and they, you know, everybody gets hurt that way. Yep, 800-259-9231. You can bring up whatever you want. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. Only moments remain, but just enough time for your call if you make it now. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 800-259-9231. And you can join us uh, on our website. All the features there are for free. Now, if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, then AMP up. Head over to amp.freetalklive.com. Get signed up for the Advertise, Market, and Promote program. That's what AMP stands for. The idea is you send us 3 bucks a month. We take the money in, reinvest it into the show, and get on more radio stations across the country, thereby spreading the message of freedom and liberty as far and as wide as possible. You'll get perks, too, like access to the AMP-only chat room, AMP-only forum, the AMP-only Shrine of Female listeners. There's a few other things as well. Get all the details at amp.freetalklive.com and get on board. That's amp.freetalklive.com. Before we go on to a story about a uh, mummified dinosaur very interesting i want to comment real quick on what jeremy had what jeremy said earlier the uh, drunken our drunken friend from montana he uh was talking about well you know what if i was panhandling on your property well, i said well if you wouldn't leave then i'd call my protection agency they'd come and remove you and he said well what if i call my protection agency and they come and kill you or whatever it was that they were going to do <laughs> my protection agency can whoop your protection agency and it's it's certainly a uh, it seems like a logical progression oh i'm just going to call my protection agency so there well in the marketplace it probably wouldn't work that way and the reason why there wouldn't be a criminal protection agency is because in the free market, there would be no prohibition. Now, follow me here. 
when there's prohibition, you have a black market that's created. And anybody that's willing to work in that black marketplace to break the law, to violate the law, will make lots of money. Whether you're doing gambling, prostitution, or drugs, and especially drugs. Guns, that's another one. Uh, any service or product that is prohibited, the price increases you know, by thousands of percent. So, inevitably, people that are willing to break the law get involved in the distribution of those products and services, mm-hmm. which is why we see violence in the drug trade. Because gangsters are violent, dangerous people. They're willing to protect their turf with guns. And so, therefore, you're putting money into the hands of gangsters when you make these products and services prohibited. Get rid of the prohibition, and just like after alcohol prohibition, the marketplace shifts back into the world of legitimacy, into the Budweiser's and the Marlboro's and all these other companies that would be legitimately producing and servicing these products to the population. So, therefore, the gangster's source of income, which was prohibited products and services, dries up. So, without those products and services to sell on the black market, gangsters don't have any other way of making money besides literally holding people up at gunpoint or something like that. And there's no real organization that's necessary for that. So, there's no, nobody's going to be organized to hold people up at gunpoint because once they start holding people up at gunpoint, again, because the marketplace is free, the people they're holding up are likely to have guns. And so, therefore, the people that are doing the holding up people at gunpoint, the criminals will end up dying. And it's just not going to be a profitable business to engage in crime in a free market society. So therefore, there would be no money pool with which to fund this violent, thuggish protection organization. It just It's not economically feasible. Well, you know, I'm not sure about this whole uh, free market and, and security thing, but I, I can say that uh, a, a security company, uh, just, just if you hired a security company to watch your house and, and Jeremy had a anti-security company to uh, allow him to stay on your property... Um, or you know, begging for money or something, uh, people that passed by or some such thing. Um, that the, his anti-security company, it would require a great deal of visits to keep you know to keep him on people's property. Just assuming that that they were successful, so he would have to pay a great deal to do that. Yeah, that's a what good he'd point. be a lot better off doing is coming on people's property that don't have non-solicitation signs and saying, "Hey, can I have some money?" And they'd either say yes or get out. And then he would go to the next person's mm-hmm. property. Panhandling probably wouldn't disappear. It would go door to door. But, you know, um, it, it, it doesn't seem very likely to me that you yeah. would have a situation like you were talking about there. Yeah, it's, it's, it's ludicrous uh, simply because of the economics of it but all. It was darn funny. Yeah. Yeah, sure. 1-800. It's hard to not be funny when you're drunk. 800-259-9231. By the way, there's no prohibition on being inebriated. Just, you know, watch your language. You can call in and be drunk or high or whatever. And be as funny as Jeremy. Yeah, absolutely. You can try. All right. So, Bismarck, according to Newsvine.com, using tiny brushes and chisels, workers picking at the big greenish-black rock in the basement of North Dakota State Museum are meticulously uncovering something amazing. A nearly complete dinosaur. Skin and all. Unlike almost every other dinosaur fossil ever found, the Edmontos, Edmontosaurus, Edmont, Edmontosaurus, named Dakota, a duck-billed dinosaur unearthed in southwestern North Dakota in 2004, is covered by fossilized skin that is as hard as iron. 
It's among just a few mummified dinosaurs in the world, saying, say the researchers who are slowly freeing it from a 65 million year old rock tomb. Which means that it has, uh, uh, I guess, uh, fossilized, mummified uh, organs in it. All Presumably. kinds of yep. cra- you know, crazy things that are, it's just very exciting. And, you know, when I, when I hear things like this, you know, when I, when I first heard that, I'm like, you know, at one time in my life, I believed that God hid the dinosaur bones to confuse us. <laughs> and <laughs> wait, I thought it was Satan. I, I thought the religious people sa- said Satan did it. S- some people do. You, you can't you can't get any consensus here, but um, right because some of them believe in Satan, some of them don't. Well, right. I, I think most of them believe in Satan to some extent or another. But uh, I believe, or what I believed at the time was, Satan can't create anything. He mm. would simply be a, a spirit that can go around and talk in your head, you know, okay. convince you to do things. But he is. He's not. He's not a creator. He's not able to. Angels can't create things. Humans, I guess, with with the resources that God created, can create things. But they can't cr- just poof create things. Only God can create things. He is the creator. Gotcha. Okay. But um, so why would the God guy want to confuse people? I don't know. I mean, the Bible's already confusing enough, right? I, 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 with I, all of its contradictions and everything. It seems to me that a, that a fair and just God, and that's what he claims throughout the Bible, that he's a fair and just God, would not um, confuse us with things like this. Well, right. If you believe in the confusion theory, then that means that he's just a trickster. Right. And he's just playing pranks. God, God's not mean, right? He's not unfair, because I can legitimately ask questions. The Bible says nothing about dinosaurs. Now, there's a spot in there about a behemoth, but... It, I don't know what they're talking about. They could be talking about an elephant. They could yeah. be talking about a whale. They could be talking about an alligator. They talk about a leviathan, which generally is an, uh, a whale. But, you know, they, the Bible doesn't talk about these things. And so, and it says pretty succinctly in, in Genesis that, you know, God created the world in seven days. And then when you follow the, uh, the, the, the lineage that's in the Bible, you're, you're talking about a 6,000-year-old earth. It seems to me that a fair and just God wouldn't hold me accountable for everything, to believing everything that's in the Bible when it seems clear and obvious to anyone who's looking at the scientific data out there that it's just not so. I, you know, m- people can come up with all kinds of explanations that, uh, you know, these days of creation were, in fact, eons, they were epics, they were, mil- <laughs> they were millennia. Um, well, I mean, that's true. If he created the earth, then the earth was, I mean, did, was it spinning? Because we define days on how often the sun, uh, how often we see the sun in the sky, right? right. So. That's how I define a day, yeah. and that's what, that's what that I am who, to whom he is speaking. Mm. And if he doesn't put a book out there that I can understand and uh, logically figure out, then how am I supposed to believe everything that's there now i'm not holding god responsible i believe god is fair and just absolutely i believe you don't believe in a singular god though right in a uh, monotheistic uh, god well you know like i believe uh, that god is composed of all of us i like that viewpoint you know kind of new agey yeah it's new agey um you know i i i think that he's good and he wants good things for us and and that he's uh you know that there's a certain amount of justice in the universe built in that uh you know there's karma as it were and yeah. that, that you can get what you want out of the universe by being positive and, so true. and, and claiming it for yourself and and those kind of so things so true seen it in my life absolutely so I, I believe all that stuff but when you get into this what what I was sort of raised in and 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 came to believe was this sort of king james uh version if it's good enough for king james it's good enough for me kind of uh you know literalism, but man put the Bible together, and I see no um, no uh, indication that that the uh, little the, the the cardinals, the church leaders at the time in the second century, who uh, 
you know, put all this stuff together that they were inspired by God, because not only would the writers of the Bible have to be inspired, and by the way, I don't believe that Paul, you know, Paul never saw Jesus. I don't believe he legit, should even legitimately be in the Bible. Um, you know, I, I don't think that these, uh, not only would the writers have to be inspired, but the people that put it together, the editors have to be inspired. Mm-hmm. It's it's so very difficult um, and and confusing. So I've decided I like the Bible as sort of a, a guidelines. You know, live um, you know live life in the, in this manner. Love your neighbor. You know, the Beatitudes, all that stuff's very good. But as far as the factual stuff in there, splitting the Red Sea, turning water into wine, even uh, the guidelines are questionable. Dying though. and raising. I mean, even some of the guidelines are questionable. Some of them are questionable, and I take what I take what I want out of it. Yeah. And, you know. Kind of forget the rest. Yeah, it's a book. That's what you should should do with books. Fun stuff. Analyze them. Enjoy them. It's just fiction. Cool dinosaur, though. one 800 Oh, wait, we're done. End of the show. We'll see you tomorrow night. Online in the meantime, it has been Ian here with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com, where the conversation continues, and we'll see you tomorrow night. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronics, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supplies, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com.